good singing. Uh, Dave, you have your Bibles this morning. I invite you to turn to Hebrews chapter 12. We've been slowly working our way through the book of Hebrews, and we're nearly done. Uh, This is a familiar passage of Scripture to uh, most of us. Kyle, this morning's message, Run, Christian, Run. And uh, an illustration, uh, you probably have, I couldn't get the video to work. We have technology. Sometimes I wonder if, that rascally old devil doesn't get in our technology. and just uh, It works fine through the week, but Sunday morning it never seems to quite go right. But uh, If you remember that movie Forrest Gump, uh, it's a, a classic now. Um, a classic in that it's a little old. Uh, but uh, And it's a, a, a good movie in some way. But Forrest was a young boy who was born uh, crippled. He had some... Uh, problems with his legs, and he couldn't walk, so the doctors put braces on it, on his legs to help him so that he could, could walk. Uh, one day, some boys threw rocks at Forrest, and uh, his little friend Jenny uh, said, just run away, Forrest. Well, you know, if you have braces on your legs, you can't move real good. So you remember that he does start wobbling kind of odd, uh, and then as he begins to move and more, the braces... Uh, fall off, uh, and he's able to run and get away uh, from those boys. Uh, and uh, he makes the comment uh, there in the movie, he said, you know, from that day forward, whenever I went somewhere, I was running. Uh, and the only reason he did that was because those braces had strengthened his legs uh, and had gotten them where he could use them. In our Christian life, we need to understand that there are uh, that we are not born spiritual giants. That we're born in infancy, uh, but we don't stay infants. Hopefully, hopefully we grow and mature in our faith. And so, the writer of Hebrews in chapter eleven gave us a long list and long examples from the Old Testament about men and women who have been faithful to live for God and how God used them. And the point in doing that was not to elevate those folks, but to help us to realize an important truth. And we find that important truth in chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. This is what he says. He says, Therefore also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What a a great reminder and so the lesson is hey listen you've got all these people from the Old Testament that you revere. said that you're surrounded by that cloud of witnesses, kind of the the imagery that the writer of Hebrews wants to have is in a great uh, stadium. And you uh, have been to a a ball game, an Auburn game or Georgia game. 
you know, in those great big stadiums there, you watch it on TV, and, and there's just something about being in that great crowd with all of those people. And so the writer of Hebrews says, listen, you have all of those people and their example and their life, and by the way, that cloud of witnesses continues to grow all the time, doesn't it? And so we now just not have the examples from the Old Testament that the writer of Hebrews mentions. And we have examples of people from the New Testament. But we have examples from 2,000 years of church history. And you probably have some people in your life that you would consider spiritual mentors that were great examples of men and women who lived a life of faith. And so the writer of Hebrews says, he could, we could borrow, instead of saying run, we could borrow Nike's slogan and just say, just do it. And that really is the secret of the Christian life, is to just do it. Can it be daunting? Yes, the task absolutely can be daunting. And sometimes the things that God asks us to do seem so crazy. And so insurmountable. Well, God asks us to do that because he wants us to know when he does things, it wasn't us that did them. He asks us to do things that in our own strength, it would be impossible to do. So that we can, well, we have to say, hey, listen, look what God has done. Because he knows how we are. He knows that if he gives us little assignments... We won't say, look what God's done. What we'll do is we'll look and say, I sure did a mighty good job on that. Look at what I did. And we should be proud and thankful that God uses us. That's a wonderful thing. And so the writer of Hebrews says, you are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses of the faith So run the race. Paul said, he said, listen, run in such a way as to win the prize. You don't run a race or start a contest with the intention of losing, do you? You start with the intention of winning and going for that gold medal, if you will, to come in first place. And so the writer of Hebrews wants us to, so he gives us some instruction. He said, First of all, lay aside every weight. So those things that, that weigh you down, sometimes those things that weigh you down can be good things. Training wheels on bicycles are good things when you're a toddler learning to ride a bike. But there would be something, I don't know, maybe we would take notice if somebody was riding a bicycle with two wheels and they were 60. That's kind of odd. Because hopefully those training wheels train us. And we outgrow them. The writer Hebrews said it earlier this way. He said, you know what? That you find this now. He's kind of chiding him in, in chapter 6. He said, you should be teaching. You should be moving on from the elementary things. But you still need baby formula. You should be able to digest the meat of God's word, but I'm, you're, you're still 
sucking your thumb and having a bottle. Well, there's a time in our Christian life when we do start out kind of as infants. But there has to come a time when we say, you know what, I can walk on my own. And I can take some responsibility for my Christian walk. And I, I don't need the, the uh, you know, maybe those braces or crutches anymore that I once did. But weights can also be bad things. No, I'm not talking about sin. He addresses that next. But, you know, the, there's weight of worry. You know, worry will keep us from doing what God's called us to do. Fear. Fear is one of Satan's greatest weapons that he uses against God's people. Because he does know that God does ask us to do some things by faith. And sometimes he asks us to take on, on daunting tasks. And because we're human beings, and it, it, there's things that there ought to be a healthy amount of fear in us when we do certain things. But fear is a bad thing when it cripples us. Sometimes it may be relationships that weigh us down and keep us from growing in our faith. You know, the people that we allow to influence our life, our friends, those that we spend a lot of time with, will have great influence on us and we will become a lot like them. Although we would all argue and say, hey, listen, the shows that I watch and the music that I listen to and the things that I look at on the Internet do not affect me. And I tell you, they do affect you. And they affect you in dramatic ways that you're not even aware of. And so that's why Scripture admonishes us over and over again. Be careful of the things that we allow to influence us. And so sometimes the weight might be good, sometimes it may be bad. Well, guess what? When a runner goes to run the race, they put some weights on to help strengthen them and train them. But when race day comes, guess what? They don't wear those. They get rid of anything that slows them down. They even go so insane. And swimmers do too. You know, they shave their legs and you know, all this thing. And I'm not sure that helps you run. But, hey, listen, if they think it does, more power to them. Um, you know, they say it creates less wind resistance or something. You know, that, um, you know, they get the lightest shoes that they can have, and they get the lightest shirt and the lightest pair of shorts because they don't want anything weighing them down. And so the writer of Hebrews says, those things that weigh you down, those things that keep you from doing what God wants you to do, toss them aside. It may be some healthy things that you need for a while. It may be bad things that you just need to chunk. And then he says, also lay aside the sin which so easily ensnares you. As the writer of Hebrews knows that even though we as Christians are, are free from the bondage of sin, we still like to visit the pool, if you will, occasionally. He knows that we still wrestle with sin. And there is probably maybe one sin... And I don't want you to name it, but when I say that, it probably pops into your mind what it might be something that you struggle with the most. He says, 
it so easily. You know, see, Satan doesn't have to work very hard to trip us up most of the time. Most of the time, we are very eager to cooperate with him. And we are very good at justifying or making excuses for our sin. And when we do that, it keeps us from being able to run the race that God calls us and God intends for us to. And so some things that I want us to think about this morning as we think about these two verses. And the first is that we consider the mission. What are we as God's people supposed to be about? Well, when we remember that we are about honoring God and glorifying Him with our life, that we want to be the hands and feet of God. And that God uses us in our vocation, in our free time, everything that we do, we need to understand that we do it as ambassadors to God. And so God calls us and says, Hey, listen, remember, it's not about you. It's not about what you want. It's not a what about makes you feel good. It's not about what's easy. It's about what God has asked you to do. Now, do you get benefit from serving God, from coming to church and doing things for the Lord? Yeah, you do. But it's not primarily about you. You serve God and you worship God because God is God, not for what you get out of it. And so the mission is to make much of God and to do God's will. In order for us to do that, that means that we have to be intentional. You see, our Christian life and us living the Christian life, running the Christian life, does not happen by accident. You had to intentionally say, you know what, I'm going to be at Calvary Free Will Baptist Church Sunday morning. For you, to be. you didn't just all of a sudden vapor, you know, vaporize from one place and end up over here. You were intentional. You had to get up this morning. You had to get dressed. You had to get in your car and you had to come. Well, the same, and by the way, there's some that chose not to. Well, that, the, the decision to follow Christ does not just happen on Sunday. In fact, what the Lord does on Sunday is God's people gather is an overflow of what happens Monday through Saturday individually. And so when we come together corporately, that overflow from my life and from your life, it spills over for all of us and God does great things. And so he says... Be intentional. Remembering the mission, considering the mission reminds us that it's not about us, it's about Him. And so that as we run the race, we remember that, hey, listen, it's not all about me. So we have to endure. So He says, listen, the race sometimes is long. The race sometimes is hard. But the mission helps you to endure, to continue on to, to finish the course that God has set before you. But you see, so we have this great cloud of witnesses cheering us on, and we have their example that shows us how to do it. 
And then, secondly, I want us to consider the model. The writer of Hebrews says, hey, listen, I want you to cast off those things that weigh you down and that sin that trips you up so very easily. And I want you to consider, I want you to think about Jesus and his example, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. That's kind of puzzling, isn't it? Because there was nothing about the cross that was joyful. Jesus didn't look forward to it. But he endured it. He was patient. He, he even prayed as he hung on the cross, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. And so in Jesus we have this great example that knowing was he the author and the finisher of our faith. In other words, he, he's the reason that we can have faith. He's the reason we can have eternal life. He is the one by whose blood you and I and all the whosoevers in the world that accept him are saved. He's the author of our faith in that respect. But can I tell you, he's also the finisher of our faith. Because it is only by remembering. Listen, Jesus was faithful to the cross he rose again and sits at the right hand of the Father. It is only through Christ and only through your growing and abiding relationship with Him that you can serve Him, that you can run the Christian life. The only way you can do it is with Jesus' help. Without Him, you are doomed before you even start. By the way, who, who, the model that we choose is important. We need to remember that our model is Christ. It is not a preacher. It's not a Sunday school teacher. It's not some t- preacher we see on television or, uh, you know, a, a human. It is Jesus. He is the one that we need to model our life after. Thankfully, God does put people in our life to help us with that, doesn't he? Thankfully, he puts people around us to show us the way and to help encourage us and to sometimes prod us along, sometimes give us the good, uh, quick, stiff kick in the rear end that we need to get us moving along on our journey of faith. And so remember that. We consider and think about the mission of God. We consider the model that it's Jesus and then consider the motive. Jesus endured the cross for you and for me and for all the whosoevers in the world. And again today sits at the right hand of God uh, arguing and advocating on our behalf. But our motive of finishing the race, our motive of running the Christian life is so that we can stand before God and hear Him say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Sit down at, at my right hand. In, in, in first century culture, the right hand of a leader was considered to be, you were sitting on his right side, That you were something. That was a place of honor. Jesus is, is right there with the Father, and the Bible says that, One day, 
if we're faithful, if we run the race, we'll hear those words, well done. And we'll sit at God's right hand, the Scripture says. Our motive is not to be rich. Our motive is not for people to notice us. Our motive is to simply please God and do what He's asked us to do. But to remember that the race sometimes is hard. Jesus knew that. But he never gave up. Moses knew that walking with God was hard. Abraham knew that. Rahab knew it. All those folks that he mentioned in the previous chapter knew it. And yet, you know what else they knew? They knew God's faithfulness. They knew that, as the Scriptures say, the one that has called you is faithful. But you see, even though that God is faithful and He'll never leave us and He'll never forsake us, this preacher from Hebrews reminds us there's a part that you and I play in our Christian walk. You know, it's not up to the Sunday school teacher. It's not up to the preacher. I wish I could decide for all of you to be gold star Christians, if you will. I wish I could just speak the word and you would read your Bible and pray like you should, and that you'd be in church like you should, and that you'd serve the Lord like you should. But you know what? I can't. And I can't do it for you. And your mom can't do it for you. Your dad can't do it for you. Your husband can't do it for you. You have to do it for yourself. But thankfully, God has given us all the ability to run. He's given us the ability to live the Christian life. He's given us the ability. You know, if Scripture asks us to do something, that means we have the ability to do it. And so when Scripture says, I want you to lay aside the weight that weighs you down and that sin that so easily ensnares you, I want you to give it up. You can do it. How? By growing more and more in love with Jesus and letting Him have more and more control of your life. So sometimes, you know, especially... Early in our Christian life, sometimes God has to beat us upside the head with a baseball bat or scream at us. But can I tell you, by the time we've walked with the Lord for a while and we grow and we mature and we're running our race, the Lord's only have to give us a whisper. And our response should not be, well, it must have been that Taco Bell I ate for lunch. It's just upsetting in my stomach. Or because we should just know. Danny and Miss Martha have been married for 51 years. And there's times that they don't have to even say anything to each other. They, there's a look that they have. And they'll know what the other person wants or what they need. They don't even have to say anything. Leslie and I do that a little bit. We haven't been married near as long, so it's not as good. Usually Leslie has to holler at me a few times, and I finally get it. You know how men are. 
But you know what God desires for us to have a relationship with Him? It's like that so that it just gives us a look, if you will. We don't question. We don't have to wonder say, well, Lord, I'll pray about it. But our response is, oh, right, Lord, I'll do it. That doesn't just happen, by the way. These spiritual giants that Hebrews chapter 11 mentioned, they didn't start out as spiritual giants. In fact, every single one of them, if you looked at them, you know, you would have said, hmm, there ain't no hope for them. They've you know, got the short end of the straw and, uh, you know, that you know, ain't much going to happen with them. Every single one of them. And yet when God worked in their life and they obeyed God by faith, God did amazing and wonderful things. Again, I tell you that God that we serve today and that we worship today is the same today as he was then. And so that same God can take you and I who are just like those folks that were mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. Only our names are different. People look at it and they say, eh, there, ain't God, there ain't much hope for them. But you see, God likes to take lost causes and turn them around. Just so he can say, hey, look what I did. And by the way, that encourages us to know that, listen, if God can use that yo-yo, he can use me too. And if that person can, can walk with the Lord and run the Christian life and run his race in such a way that he hears one day, well done, and good and faithful servant, then we can do it too. So we have to remember and actively decide that we're going to go running. Not running with our legs, but running with our spirits. That's what God calls us to do. God calls us to, to work out our spiritual muscles. To serve Him with everything we have. And God challenges us to do that and to be faithful to continue to do it. So often, sometimes I think that we think, well... I've, I went to church today. Done. I'll see you next year. Hey, I put some money in the offering plate today. Yeah, I'm, I'm good for the rest of the year. I said hello to that neighbor. Yeah, I'm good. You see, it's not like that. That we can't just, it's not just that we do things one time. We say, well, yeah, I, I do those things. But God desires for those things to be part of our life. That it, It's just habit. That our habit becomes not missing church, but being one of the first ones to come to church and one of the last ones to leave. That we're sharing the love of God with our neighbors on such a regular basis that it's just second nature. And that we're praying so often that when turmoil comes or a situation comes into our life, we don't grumble and complain about it, but our first reaction instead is to pray about it. That's how God desires for us to run our life.
And so, church, my admonition to all of us this morning is to run. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Thank you for this day and your goodness and your love to us. Lord, thank you that there are men and women who have gone before us that set an example of faith for us, that walk difficult things just like we do, Lord, and yet they came out faithful. And Lord, help us to run in such a way that we would win the prize. Lord, help us to endure. Lord, help us to be willing to be intentional about setting aside those weights, those things that keep us from doing what you've asked us to do, and just get rid of them. Lord, help us to recognize that sin that so easily entraps us or trips us up that we might be able to avoid it and put it out of our lives, Lord, that we would serve you more. Lord, if there's one here today that they've never started the race of faith, would you help them today to call out to you to accept that gift that Jesus gave on the cross of Calvary? Lord, if there's one of your children here today that maybe they're just discouraged, Lord, Maybe they're now in trouble. Maybe their race, they've not been running all that much. They've been kind of on autopilot lately. And Lord, we cannot run the Christian life on autopilot. We have to be intentional about it. And we have to be active about it. Lord, would you stir us up to serve you? And we glorify you in our life, in our speech, in our actions. And we give you praise for it. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Friend, let's stand together.